That's some Luke Bryan right there. Bring out the fire on this wonderful Friday out here with the People's Advisor. Hey, what's going on, man? How it's you feeling? A, I feel great, man. It's a beautiful day. I'm just woke up really excited for some reason about today. Hey, man, we wake, we wake up excited about every day, right? I wake up pretty happy, but I woke up exceptionally excited for no reason that I know of my own today. So we'll see what happens, but something must be good coming. Man, you know what? I think that runner's high is probably coming one step closer. I guess. I didn't even make my run yesterday. Missed it. Those of you guys, if you haven't been following him, he's uh, he's up to 10, 12, 13 miles a day now getting ready for, for a 41-mile 42-mile. Yeah, Lululemon's putting on an event called the Narathon, and it's a 42-mile run around Catalina. It has like a total of 10,000 feet elevation like up and down throughout the run. So I'm one of the 31 people who have um, decided that they're kind of crazy and want to put themselves through the pain of doing that so hey man um, you can't grow without the pain and yeah. shout out to lululemon yeah shout, shout out, out to, lululemon. to lululemon lululemon men's is putting it on and matt Maddock over at session sandwiches organized the whole thing he's their ambassador for the event so i love that man it's cool i love that well um good luck and congratulations Thanks, on that run through Catalina island That's yeah a good, it'll be it's great. a good thing you don't have to swim there before you run I was paddling there. They just had a race, paddle back from there. But I'll tell you one thing I've learned. Runner's high does not exist inside of the first 10 miles. I haven't ran further than that, but I haven't found it yet. So and I'm going to challenge that. that. Well, you know, without taking up any more time, man, we got a special guest at the house. Uh, this guy has so much value to provide. The way we connected is a really cool story. And coincidentally, he's walking distance from our studio. The speaker, the coach, the consultant with over 20 years experience in sales, marketing, uh, personal branding, personal and leadership development. Uh, I met this gentleman at his office, uh, gave, gave me actually one of his books that, that he's contributed to on the Forbes list. Uh, top 100, we're gonna definitely dive into that as well. Mr. Ryan James Miller. What's up, Ryan? Yo, what's going on, guys? How are you? <laughs> feeling great, how you feeling? I'm doing good, man. I've been up since five o'clock this morning. Got some reading done, a little bit of journaling, crushed a workout at six o'clock. Wow. And then got into the office and got going. That's it, man. You can feel the energy. And he's definitely got the beard game going down too, man. Ryan, where can they find you out there on uh, social media? Yeah, so uh, Instagram, I play around uh, on quite a bit. So uh, that handle is MillerRyan78. Uh, that's uh, kind of personally and professionally. And then I contribute a lot of content to LinkedIn. I found a lot of value there. And so uh, that's just uh, linkedin.com slash in slash RJM sales pro. Awesome, man. Yeah. I, like I know. I ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everything's borrowed from somebody, right? Yeah. Nothing new under the sun, man. <laughs> so what does it mean to be a sales pro? Like, when do you get to label yourself that? I don't know. Nowadays, you can just kind of throw any kind of label on yourself that you want, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I think that, um, you know, definitely 20 years of experience in the industry, I think, or, you know, in the um, vertical is helpful uh, to that. I've studied everything from Carnegie to Sandler to Ziegler, uh, and, and then a whole bunch of one-offs in between, read uh, tons and tons of books. And I think that you know, professional is when we can finally carry ourselves in such a manner that we can execute on what it is that we say we do. I love that, man. Yeah. So I know coaching is a passion of yours. Um, how, do, how, do you, how do you get into that? What, what's to say, you know what, I want to actually I'm gonna be a coach? That's a great question. I mean, I think growing up playing sports, right, there was always a coach that, um, or coaches that were influential in helping to kind of lead and guide you in the direction you wanted to go. And so uh, for me, as I grew into my sales career, I was just a cocky, cocky 25, 26, 27 year old kid 
uh, and it was really successful. And I remember a CEO came to me one time and he said, look, man, he said, you are just so good. I was top two in, our, in, in the country. And he said, but you just need a mentor. You need a coach. And I was like, dude, who, who are you talking to, right? Like you have no idea what you're talking about. And I wish I would have listened to him yeah. because it was almost 10 years before I hired a coach for myself. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's the coach I have to this day. He's uh, just an amazing man. And so there's so much value there. And so that was the gap that I, I saw as I was growing in my sales career was I needed a coach for myself. And so I wanted to do that, right? I wanted to enable other people to be the best version of themselves. And it's one thing to get people to tell you what to do, but I think having somebody coach you, really lead you, guide you, uh, pull the things out of you that are inside of you, I think that's where that's where the passion really started to be driven. Awesome, man. So, you know, top three mentors that's influenced your coaching background. Top three mentors that have influenced, that's a good question. Uh, so the first one that I remember was uh, a years ago at the company that I, at that company that I worked for during that time frame, large corporation, and we had a corporate sales trainer. I'll never forget. His name was Stan Jernigan. Awesome. And uh, now I'm going to send this to him so he can hear Good. it. I think he's retired cool. in Florida now. He was an amazing man and just had such a kind, gentle way about him, but he got you to do what he wanted you to do. That's cool. And so I think he was huge for me. Um, uh, somebody that you know, I never had an opportunity to meet, uh, but Dale Carnegie, you know, reading uh, awesome. um, uh, how to win friends and influence people, definitely. Uh, and then above all else, Stephen Covey, uh, you know, okay. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Cool. Uh, that book I'm rereading now for the fourth time. Awesome. And I think that was the inspir. That's been like the the going inspiration. Cool. Yeah. So you talked about sports and everyone having coaches. Did did you? have a sports like background at any point where you were coached and you saw that and then later in your life it connected to bring it to business or just in general yeah I mean I think in general I mean I did so I played sports in high school I was a pretty good basketball player I was an okay baseball player um, you know never really was gonna go anywhere but I think what I remember and I remember it on the negative side of things is I always had just that jerk yelling at me all the time to do the things that he wanted me to do and so I think that was, for me, the negative influence. I mean, I definitely had some good coaches that were helpful, but it was the negative that really pushed me to want to be more of a positive influence in people's lives. I see. Yeah, I think that stuff like that happens, right? It, it's a choice either way. Like, we're a product of our environment, and I think that you either are a product of your environment, like you become like it, or you consciously become the opposite of it, right? Yeah. It's kind of one or the other. There's yep. no, like, middle ground. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I mean, you know, people say, you know, you are the sum of all the decisions that you make. And uh, I think a lot of times we cop out uh, on this idea that um, culture influences, influences us to become, uh, you know, to become something. Uh, and I think that, you know, we have a free will, right? I mean, we have the choice. We get, to, we get to push back. I mean, that's why you see these great stories of guys like LeBron that have come up through the ghetto. And look at the influence that guy has had. He did not let his environment influence him in a negative Right, and so I think that we we do have a choice to make, and we've got to be active in them. So speaking about LeBron, are you a Lakers fan, Cavs fan? Man, I've been a big Lakers fan since the Showtime days. Uh, to be honest, uh, I was not a LeBron fan. You know, I think that there was a bit of a cockiness at a distance. Uh, but the more I've dug in in the last few months, you know, knowing he's coming to the Lakers to see the man that he is. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like not a single bit of negative publicity in his personal life, mm -hmm. married to his high school sweetheart, cares for his children and his family, and gives back. I mean, that school that he he's, just Yeah, launched, I was going to say that school system that he's just legit, made. right? Yeah. So I, I, may not, I may not have liked him as a player, but as a man, pretty good dude. Yeah, $150 million, four years. 
Yeah, it's that's a whole other conversation. That's insane <laughs> itself, right? But like what you were talking about, what's crazy too is to for someone to have that positive of a, a background when you're digging and looking for stuff and he takes a lot of crap from yeah. a lot of people like he's got so many haters he's got a lot of fans yeah. but he's he's like you know pinnacle of being uh, hated by some people yeah and he's, i think he's used that right he, he uses that as fire he's like you can talk all the trash on me you want i'm gonna show up and i'm gonna play my game i heard him on an interview the other night and they were talking about him coming to the lakers and uh, she asked him you know like you know what does it feel like knowing you're coming to a team that's probably not going to win a championship and he's like, that's not how I'm coming to this team. He goes, I don't know what we're going to do. He goes, but I'm going to show up every day, and I'm going to play ball. And I'm going to lead my team to play the best basketball that they can. And I love that. Like, he's not going to back down just because he's walking into a team that's not championship caliber. That's leadership, man. Yeah. So, so you you um, clearly coach a lot of successful individuals because a lot of successful, most successful individuals have a coach. Yeah. So you're coaching a lot of successful individuals. I, I have a question for you. For one of your clients, uh, if they were to approach you and say, when do you know – it's time to quit versus being a quitter in whatever it is that they're pursuing. Uh, What's the difference? How do you how do you break that down? Yeah, cool. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think that for most people, I think we quit well before, like we give up well before we come to the end of ourselves. Uh, and so my advice to anybody is, is to really dig deep into what it is you're pursuing to understand whether you really believe that or not, right? Like, have I been created to do this? You know, did these, does what I'm doing fulfill the unique gifts and talents I've been created with? And do I love what I do? Because I was talking to some guy the other day and he said, you know, I, I just, I don't feel, uh, I, I don't feel successful because I'm not making X amount of money. And I hate that. Like, I hate that we have attributed money to our own personal success. I mean, we need money to provide, we need money to, to drive a good and successful business, to employ people. But money is just not a driver for success, right? Or it's not an indicator of success. And so I think that there are a lot of things that we've been jaded to believe um, determine our success. And so I, I will typically push really hard back on people to get them to, uh, to understand whether or not they really, really should continue. How important are like principles and things of that nature to you? And like, would you compare what they're doing mm -hmm. and how it aligns with whatever principles or things that maybe they have? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is key. I, I think, uh, you know, we were talking about the soft line earlier. Uh, you know, nowadays, the spotlight is so bright on guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a phenomenal entrepreneur, right? He's been so successful. But I cannot uh, design my life or my business plan or my personal development plan on Gary V, right? Like, I have, to I have to create a plan that is based upon who I've been created to be. Like, don't uh, don't uh, aspire to be a um, uh, the center fielder for the uh, Anaheim Angels or LA Angels, I guess. Uh, you know, don't aspire to do that if you can't even swing a bat, right? Like, just because you want it really, really badly doesn't mean you're ever going to actually achieve that. And so, I always try and dig deep into who people are. Like, I want to understand what makes them tick. Like, why do you care to get out of bed in the morning, and what's going to drive you to continue to persevere? when crap gets hard because it gets really, really hard, right? I mean, you guys know that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what you just said about the Angels thing made me think of yesterday I was listening to Tyler Harris had Eric Fang on there. Eric Fang said um, that he was in front of a stage of a bunch of people and he said to them, hey, how many of you want this free DVD I have? And there was like, I don't know how many DVDs he had, but 
um, at first no one's moving and then one person comes up he's like here you can have it and then like two or three people come up they can have it and then a lot of people start coming up to get it and then they're all gone and obviously there weren't enough for everybody there was enough for like a small group and he said I want all of you to know just because you said you wanted it doesn't mean you're gonna get it mm-hmm. and then goes into whatever it was that happened but it's like you can't saying it might be part of it but the action behind getting up going grabbing it doing it being the first or or in the group at the beginning that you got that there were enough of you know mm-hmm. and so yeah and i think what's you know something that i take away from that too and is it sucks because the first guy that got up probably isn't even the guy that wants it really bad he just thinks he does right. and the guy that was hesitant that didn't have big enough balls to just stand up and, and, and jump up in front of everybody is probably the guy that really needed it but right. he was too afraid to take that step you know yeah man well said you know i knew you have all these uh, different projects going on where are you emphasizing most of your time right now uh, is it speaking uh, coaching consulting yeah so if i could spend the rest of my life doing one thing it would be coaching people coaching um Typically, I, I speak uh, to get in front of an audience of people and get people you know, uh, to, to reach out to me that resonate with what I say. <clears throat> Same thing with coaching. I mean, with consulting, it typically produces some coaching. But for me, there is something about, again, like, like getting deep into a person, right? And, and to see that light bulb come on and get them to a place um, that they've never even thought possible before is so amazing. And... Uh, I mean, for me, so I'll tell just a a short story and then we'll see where this goes. But so I've always been very purpose driven, very intentional, right? I I have uh, daily habits, journaled on and off as best as possible. I'm very structured. I hate living outside of that structure. And so I have just thought that I've just had it together forever, right? Or at least for, for quite a long period of time. And then I had this massive life event happen, right? So last October, um, I was uh, in the crowd with my wife and five of our friends uh, at that Route 91 concert in Las Vegas. Wow. And, um, and, and obviously, you know, you know, just saying that, right, like people just kind of like sink back. But um, so many things happened in that moment. So one of our best friends uh, was shot and killed standing shoulder to shoulder with us. Um, and so, you know, after we got through that devastation, which still, I mean, we're 10 months uh, past and it still it just like regurgitates itself all the time but as I came back home and I really started to think through who I was created to be and how I was spending my time I just realized that I was wasting my time on a lot of things that just weren't of the highest and best use of my time right and I had great guidance and mentors and coaches but there was somebody that just w- I was missing that person to really push me like to the end of myself, right? And so that event caused me to take a step back and go, you need to change something. Like, there's more in you. There's more to do, there's more to serve, there's more to contribute to. And and so I, I think we all need something like that. I mean, I would never wish that specific event on anybody ever, but I think that until we are truly broken, oftentimes we will never become who we were created to be. Wow, man super heavy because we were talking about it before you know and I was mentioning that there was a non-fatal interaction with our family that was there and then not knowing what had happened yeah Um, yeah. and uh, I mean part of that awakening also I'm guessing is how close you talked about this other bullet to being right like yeah I mean my you know my my wife was wearing a trucker hat backwards and uh, during probably the second volley of shots 
she took a round through and through the crown of that hat uh, and um, within an eighth of an inch uh, from hitting you know from hitting her head and I mean if it would have just touched her head I'd be living a completely different life right mm -hmm. I would be a widowed husband living with two kids at home by myself um, and so again like you know business and life are one and the same to me and and so as I think about what life would have been like without my wife like I just can't afford to waste a single second of my time doing stupid crap that does not contribute to myself my family and the people that I serve like it's just there's no point so you said something important about you know business and family or business and life it's all one right and yeah. I think there's this like controversy out there between like work-life balance and then no life work balance and like I have my own opinion on it but what how do you define or and, and the fact that you coach other people I'm sure this is a topic that comes up but how do you elaborate on what you just said I guess yeah. is what I'm looking for yeah so um, I don't win a lot of friends when I say what I'm about to say but so there is a time and a season for everything right like you jump into business for yourself there is there's a sprint uh, there's seasons that get really really busy but if, if, you are, if you have a wife at home, or if you have a spouse at home, right, because uh, a woman could have a husband at home or whatever, um, or kids at home, that is your first priority. And what I think that I, I get more sick of hearing about than anything from guys is guys use their family as an excuse to overwork themselves. Like, I'm putting in 60, 70, 80, 80 hours a week to provide for my family. And that's just a crock, right? Like, if that's what it's gonna take to provide for your family, get up out of Orange County and move to Texas or something like that. Like right. that's not the quality of life that your family deserves to live. Like you are a man that has been called to lead your family. And so how can you be absent for such a long period of their life, typically during the most crucial years, right? Because it's like young family, I step out because I gotta go earn for them so I can provide a better life later on. It's like, you may never get that life, mm -hmm. right? And so I always push people to put family as a priority first. I even push people to put themselves, like personal health, before their business. Because again, as an entrepreneur, right, we crush ourselves into the ground. Just work, 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 work. It's like, when are you gonna take a break? And we see so many people burn out and wave the white flag well before they should because they just can't take it anymore. That's amazing. I definitely uh, recognize the part where you're saying that the men or, or, or people overwork themselves and use their families as an excuse, but being you know amongst a group that has had three jobs that has worked the 75 80 hour weeks to make it uh, I'm, I'm not a father i don't have children but uh, having a significant other you know that was a phase that i think a lot of people have to go through to not have to be in that for the long game yeah i, I think that you know again there's a season for everything and so even when i started my business uh the first time around um you know so I got laid off of a job as a result of these massive cutbacks that were happening, and so I decided I was going to get into business for myself. I had $500 to my name with a wife at home that didn't work, two little kids, a mortgage, two car payments, and your Belinda, right? Like, the stupidest place to try and do that. You didn't get up and move. How did you do I it? I didn't. The How first, did you do it? The first thing that I did is I went to my wife, and I said, do you think this is a good idea? And we talked about that a lot. And she finally came to me, and this is something that I've appreciated about my wife from day one. We've been married almost 18 years. And one of the things that she has done over and over again, and she said again, she said, I believe in you. If you believe that you can do this, I believe that you can do this. And I will stand behind you every step of the way. And so when I did have to overwork myself and get all crazy, she knew that there was a time for that. 
But then also because we were in clear communication all the time. And so when money's coming in and things are going good, I'm like, oh my God, I got to put in another 20 hour day. And she's like, no, you don't. Things are fine. Take a break. Right. And she does that now. She's like, take it easy. You don't need another client. Take a break. And uh, so we've taken three vacations in the last eight weeks. You That's know? phenomenal. Man. Yeah, That's I mean, cool. you just we That's gotta cool. do it. Tell me uh, your top three habits that you do every day. Good habits. Top three. Don't hit the snooze button. So I get up. My my, my alarm goes off somewhere between four forty-five and five o'clock every morning. It's set kind of within a sleep cycle. And uh, so I do not hit the snooze button because I'm always more tired. So that is habit number one. Habit number two is don't jump on social media first thing. So for me, I get up in the morning, I go make a cup of coffee, I sit down and I open up my Bible, right? And so whether it's that or it's, you know, a book, something that is going to contribute to the best of your mind, that's got to come first. And then the third thing is work out. So six days a week, I'm in the gym, five of those days, it's six o'clock in the morning, right? And it sucks. But if I do that after work, chances are that's probably not going to happen. And dude, when I get a good workout in, when I drill myself into the ground, I come up and I'm ready to crush my day. So those three things are big for me before most people's days even get started. I love it, man. And all three of those, for most people, are overpowered by the second thing you said not to do. Oh, God. It's, they've lost the cost of the other two at that, man. For sure. Well said, dude. For that's sure. Awesome. There's a lot of people who... Uh, that's awesome. Who, so you talked about this snooze button, right? Everybody hits the snooze button. A lot yeah. of people do, right? You, I think everybody has, for sure, <laughs> yeah. right? But like you're talking about this here, don't hit the snooze button. How important is that, dude? It's the number one thing that you mentioned. Yeah, Ab- it, it's critical. Um, more than anything, health. So I haven't done enough study to be like an expert in this space, but anybody will tell you that, that knows what they're talking about here, that when you snooze, you're actually putting yourself back into a poor sleep cycle and you're gonna be more tired. And so it's gonna take you longer to get going. Um, so that's important. Number one for me is just the quality of sleep because I'm, I'm, I'm always managing that. How many hours are you sleeping on average? Are you like an eight, 10 hour sleep? So a minimum of seven, okay. but I've been trying to get eight hours of sleep, which means I gotta be in bed at like nine o'clock at night. That's not easy, <laughs> right, with kids. Right. But I, there's a lot of nights I'm like, all right guys, I'm going to bed, I'm kissing people goodnight, and I'm just going to bed. Like I just, I've gotta do it, right? I've gotta force myself into the habit. Um, and then the other reason is because I will do what I say that I'm going to do. And so when I say I'm not going to hit the snooze button, I'm not going to hit the snooze button. So it becomes a principle, right? It's just like, I don't want to lie to myself. I do enough of that as it is. Like that doesn't need to be another thing. So walk me through coaching. Like what does that look like a, a little bit? If someone were to come to you and say, be my coach, right? I mean, how does it start out? Is it a sprint? Do you guys work together like ridiculous for a period of time and then it settles off or is it? No. How, how do you do this? Yeah, so typically um, I'll push back a lot on somebody when they say I want you to be my coach uh, because it's not just about them, it's about me too. Like, can I actually help them get to what they want to get to? So I'll sit with that person for typically about an hour and I'll dig just into who they are, what they're trying to accomplish, and I'll actually try and solve their problems in the first hour that I'm with them, right? No charge, I'm just sitting down. Like, if I can fix something and that makes you feel good about yourself, get out of here. Um, but if not, uh, then uh, my preferred cycle of working with people is every two weeks, just because when we're trying to overload somebody that's stepping into a new environment for the first time, that's just a little bit challenging for most people. Mm. And so they start failing really quickly and they just feel worse than they did when they started with you, right? right. Um, and, and so in the beginning, it's really just kind of setting some baselines, right? What are some things that you want to do 
not like I want to make a million bucks and I made 80 grand last year but like what are some things that if you accomplished you'd feel really good about yourself and about the progress you're making and so we set really small goals um, like one guy I just started working with recently he's like man I, I've got all these things I want to I want to talk about and share with people I just haven't taken the time to write them down I'm like okay so you have you have five business days to send me an article just just put it to paper and the guy sends me sends me an email three days later over the weekend Friday was when I talked to him Monday I get this email back from him he's like dude I wrote my first article thank you so much and not only that but because I had to carve out time for that article now I'm carving out time every morning to get productive things done before I even get my day going and get on stupid social media even though we all love it we're promoting ourselves through it so um, so so that's the thing for me is it, I'm trying to help people to slowly build a good foundation and then we'll get after it as time goes on um, but but even in that, I mean, everybody's so different, right? right? Like, no model works. I don't work in contracts. That's the other thing I hate. Like, I heard this guy the other day. He's like, man, I really want to work with you, but I'm stuck in this six-month contract with this other coach, and you gave me more in 45 minutes than he's given me in three sessions. And I'm like, well, shame on you for buying into that crap, but shame on that guy, right? That, like, that's who gives coaches a bad name, and that's who gives advisors. I mean, your guys' business is the same thing, right? Like, so many people... Uh, do a disservice to your industry because they're trying to make money quickly. Mm -hmm. And and so I just, I'm against that. And so I work month to month, I make people hold me accountable. So how often are people, do you think, I don't know how to word this question right, like most people know what they should be doing, they just need to be told and held accountable versus people who are completely clueless. Like where do you think more people lie? Yeah, I, I would say that's probably, 75 25 right probably 75 percent of us know what we need to do it's just about either laying out a plan um, some kind of structured process or just accountability um right it's like the you know 500 pound person on the couch they know what they need to do mm -hmm. don't eat cookies every single night and just walk around the block but they got to make that that active choice or they've got to have somebody that's helping them make that active choice so i think that's where more of the people probably lie at least the people i interact with What's the most common denominator of success amongst your clients? Perseverance. Like, um, we're afraid to hit the wall. Like, we're afraid of that obstacle. I read a book recently by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way, and he talks about this a lot, right? Like, we're so afraid of the obstacle that we're trying to find ways around it. It's like, yo, just plow through it, right? Find a way through it. And so I think that is... Um, the most successful people are, are willing to endure the hard times, to persevere when things just really start to suck, uh, and, and they're gonna do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. With integrity. Yeah, that's what you talked about right there. Um, the cows and the buffalo, have you heard that example? No. Like the cow, I think Rory Vaden is where I heard it, but cows in Colorado run away from the storms, and buffalo run towards the storm, and they run through it out the other end. Huh. So the cows end up getting stuck in these storms for long periods of time because they're running in the same direction it's going, yeah. which is sort of like running away or avoiding your problems. Yep. And the buffalo plows right through it and you get out the other end. It's, it's interesting. Um, so the, the coaching stuff, is it something that you see yourself aspiring to like climb, coach certain types of people? Like how, how does, for you as the guy running this business, what's the... The, the pinnacle or what are you looking towards getting it to? Gosh, if I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, that'd be so, <laughs> so good, right? I'm 40 and I still don't know. 
Um, ultimately, I want to get to a place in life where I can coach people for free. Um, I, I don't know what that looks like yet, and so I think that probably is going to require coaching or consulting some high-profile clientele that will subsidize me coaching people for free. Because something that I think is such a shame is there are so many people with really, really good ideas with a lot of drive and a lot of intention that if they just had a coach to help them get to where they needed to go, they would crush it. But it's money standing in their way. And so, like, again, I'm working with the guy, that guy that I was telling you about earlier that's mm-hmm. paying, that paid that coach up front for six months. Mm-hmm. I'm coaching him for free. I told him, I'm like, look, as long as you continue to be committed to me and you do what I ask you to do, like mm-hmm. send something back to me, a task I give you, I'll set the next appointment for you. Awesome. I think I was going to say you're actually probably already doing that. You know, even even some of the information you shared on this uh, session, it's it's coaching individuals. Yeah. 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 I have several takeaways. So what are red flags? You know, you said you have an hour meeting with them. You want to see if you can actually help them. What happens when you're like, nah, we can't work together? Oh, gosh. Um, so if I hear anything in there where money is their sole intent and purpose in being successful, for me, that's a red flag just because that's not how I'm built. Not that I don't want to be successful and make money. I just can't, I just can't create that, that, that plan or process to get there when that's the sole intention, because there's just too many other strings that get, that get tugged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's hard for me. Um, typically somebody that says that, um, they've got it all figured out and all they need is someone just to hold them accountable. That's usually the beginning of a red flag, mm-hmm. uh, because that's typically going to be the know-it-all that, that just wants to, uh, just wants to run you um, and the last one is the negotiator you know the guy that's like like I really want to work with you and I'm crushing it right now but if I just have you but can you discount your fee I'm like no I won't and I don't I mean and that's an extreme right because it just said like I'll coach people for free I'll either coach people for free or I'm gonna charge them full price like there's just no in between because I a lot of cool. times that's what needs to hold them accountable right like mm-hmm. when you pay for something you got skin in the game yeah yeah absolutely it's like I was thinking about it the other day we we're gonna go to the fair in Orange County up here, right? Yeah. The fair, like they charge you to get in there, but that's not where they're making their money. They're just controlling how many people are in there at one time yes. because of that. They're making all their money on, you'll spend more money there than you will at Disney. Well, and if you look at sporting events, it's pretty similar, right? Like one of the reasons that I believe that alcohol prices continue to drive up and up and up is they're trying to prevent people from getting wasted and just turning it into a complete you know, disaster inside the place. Still doesn't work, but whatever. <laughs> or, or they know they'll pay anything for it, right? I, I, I was at a concert uh, the, the, uh, about two weeks ago. Some chick paid thirty-two dollars for a double Jack and Coke. Two ounces of Jack was thirty-two bucks. I mean, I go to Costco and I can buy her like the a bottle. handle of that. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's How was the concert? It was good. It was really good. <laughs> what is the uh, individual's? number one negative habit that you come across? Uh, number one. I'm going to call it laziness. I just don't know if that that that's the perfect defi- or perfect word, uh, but it's they know what they, know they need to do. They're really good at what they do. They just don't do it, right? It's like the sales guy. It's like, just pick up the freaking phone, right? You want to solve your problems, pick up the phone and ask for an appointment. Well, you know, I, I got all my scripts down and well, I got all my, you know, I'm like, just pick up the phone, right? Don't pay me. Like, I'm not even going to take your money because you just won't pick up the phone. So I think it's laziness. That's cool. How does social media fit into coaching? Not for you and your business, but like, how do people, how can people use it as a tool to, to coach 
uh, I mean, in the coaching, in the process of getting the things done they need to do and moving forward? Yeah, so I'd say on one hand, I think it's one of the most amazing tools that are available to us today because so many people are dumping so much information out there, right? Like back to Gary V. Like you want to build an empire? Just follow him. Like he says everything that he does and he gives so much free content away. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for people to learn and grow. But, uh, but the problem that comes from that is, is they don't end up doing anything with it, right? Mm -hmm. It just gets them really excited. Um, but then I think the negative side of that comes from the same, in the same vein, which is they're watching all these people saying that if you just work with me, I'll help you to make a million bucks, or if you just do these three things, I'm going to turn right. your business into the master this. class. Yeah. Like every around every corner. Yeah. Of the master and class. it's like that guy's probably making six bucks an hour at home, and he's playing video games on his mom's couch at 42. Right. One of the things I found social media, and tell me as a coach if you think this is healthy or not, but like calling myself out and saying these are things I'm going to do to however many thousands of people may potentially see it makes me end up feeling a stronger level of like having to do it. Like this whole running thing. Like I don't even like running. Like I'm doing it because more I want to accomplish this like gnarly task or this thing to say I can do it, but I'm like I got to run 10 miles tonight or tomorrow I'm doing this and I'm putting it out there. One, because – I've heard from others, they get motivated behind it, and that's cool, I like to give back and do that thing. But a lot of it is selfish reasons for me just saying like, okay, I know if I put it out there, I'm not gonna be called out for not having done it, so I will do it. Is that healthy, like as a coach? Is yeah, that I mean, I think, I, I dig that, right? Like, find every single way to be accountable, mm -hmm. you know, to yourself, and I, I think that's a great way. It's like, hey, I'm I'm running, what did, what did you say, 42 miles or 41 miles? 42, that's the end, like, race, so dumb. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, but like you say that, then people are going to check in on you, right? Like, what are you doing? How did it go? How did it go? And like, how, what a failure you'd feel like when you're like, oh, I didn't end up doing it. Why didn't you do it? Because I stopped at like mile nine and, you know, I just, I just couldn't push myself any farther. Right. So, uh, Ryan, you mentioned laziness is the number one, I guess, consistent negative habit. What's your view on the millennial generation, how they're, I guess, generalized or stereotyped as a lazy generation? I hate it. Uh, and and are you a millennial? Because you you look. I mean, you, you mentioned stories about in your twenties, no, no, and when no. I was a kid. But like, if you guys haven't seen this guy, he looks like he's maybe twenty five to twenty eight <laughs> years old, right? I so mean, I'm forty. <laughs> forty. I'm not a millennial. So so right out the millennial zone, but <laughs> right out there, just a couple months. Yeah. So what what is your what is your sort of a view on this generation? What, what what do you see? First of all, I hate that there is so much negativity impressed upon them. Is there? Okay. So, um, so you sense that. I, I Absolutely, right? Like, everything's like, oh, those millennials, those millennials. I mean, like, could you imagine if we inserted some of, like, the racial slurs we hear today? Like, I feel like that's kind of what it is. We're just like, oh, well, that's just because they're millennials. Well, right? They don't work do. hard. Oh, they don't do this. They don't do that. They're entitled. Like, the thing that drives me nuts more than anything, probably, is is this label of entitlement that we have, we have put on them. And it may be true. But I believe that's the product of the generations before them. Mm -hmm. Enablers. Oh my gosh! And not, but but entitled themselves. Mm -hmm. Like how many people are so pissed off when something gets taken away from them? It's like you owe that to me. I deserve that. It's like no, you don't. Work for it, right? I I, I deserve to have a million dollar house in Orange County. It's like no, you don't. You didn't work hard enough. You get kicked out and you go live somewhere else. So I just I think that they're the product of the generation before them. And not only that. Some of the most impressive business professionals we see today are in that generation. The CEO of Stitch Fix. I forget her name right now. If you haven't heard her story, she is amazing. She bootstrapped that company from nothing. And she's worth double-digit millions of dollars cool. on a 
clothing subscription, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like it. It's um, it's cr- I'm a millennial, right? Like I think I'm at the earlier stages of it or whatever, but um, it, it gets frustrating sometimes. But I think that it's fuel too to yeah to like rise up and be like. I am like the LeBron thing you were talking about, right? Like yep. I use it as fuel. That's how I feel sometimes. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I do, I don't deserve it, but I'm I'm gonna get it, yep. right? Yep. Not because it's handed to me, because I'm gonna freaking chop this tree, damn tree down and get after it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that, man. Well, millennials, uh, they are the uh, largest generation to ever uh, exist. Yep. Two point three billion strong. Ninety two million in the United States. Uh, all I can say is millennials lead, man. Millennials lead. Uh, dot com. I check that out. So, um, <laughs> Ryan, uh, I, I want I want to thank you for you know spending Friday morning with us, giving us so much insight, so much value. But before we uh, exit this interview, words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Do what you say and say what you do. I mean, I think that that is just absolutely so important. Just be the person you've been created to be, and and get after it. I love it, man. Do what you say and say what you do, man. Get after it. Mr. Ryan James Miller, the man, the coach, the consultant, the speaker. Look out for him. Check him out there. Instagram, LinkedIn. His videos are fire. The People's Advisor. Thanks again, man, for a killer Friday, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you for hosting it. Thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. I appreciate it.